Hello and welcome to Autoholics Anonymous by the Autoholic. I'm Stephen Diamond. In this episode, Ryan and I catch up and reflect on our travels and the cars we've driven since our last episode. We go from driving German cars around Northern California with Ryan attending Lufkugel in a 997-911 C4S to me in a 2013 BMW Z4 Turo rental for a coastal wedding to Ryan driving a Korean car in Texas, a French car in Britain, and both of us in Chinese cars in Mexico. So stay tuned to find out which cars we liked and where. And we're glad to be back here talking with you guys. It's been a while. Uh, It's been about two months, Ryan, hasn't it? The time flew by. We took (laughs) a little sabbatical. But we've been uh, we've been busy. We haven't been resting. Uh, We've been uh, doing our research and and doing uh, Plenty of trips, driving plenty of cars, and having lots of adventures, haven't we? I'd say we've been pretty active in the automotive world over the last two months. We have a lot of experiences to share with you. Yeah, so we hope to catch you guys up on what we've been up to. There's been a lot of cool, fun things, and I know this is a little outdated and a little old, but uh, I think still fun and relevant to talk about um, You know what's been going on with us. Um, and what's new in our lives, because um, there are some new things. But uh, it all starts, I guess, last time we talked. I know we talked about Spain in our last episode. You were traveling for a good bit of time. Uh, and then we had a few weddings coming up. And uh, we had our buddies, our, our buddy Ross, he had his wedding in California. And it was the weekend after Lufkagel. And I, unfortunately, could not make it. But Ryan, you have the opportunity to extend your stay out there in California, go out to Luft the prior weekend uh, and stay until the wedding. What was your experience with Luft and uh, and what did you do to to enjoy it? Like what kind of car did you rent and everything? Well, it was funny. The wedding was around my actually around my 30th birthday as well. And so I was just planning to go out to Ross's wedding and I said, fuck it, I'm turning 30, I might as well spend the week out in California and, and go to Luft as well. I hadn't been to a Luft and, you know, they've been, I, I mean, the amount of attention Luft has been, you know, garnering in the automotive scene, not only just from Porsche lovers, but I think in general, people are talking about Luft, um, was huge. So I was excited to go to it. And, and I've been following, obviously, Spike's car radio and, uh, you know, and and a lot of those conversations with uh, Pat Long for a while now, and everything they've talked about, sort of like the mission of the way they want to do is statically display the cars, you know, amongst interesting landscapes and, and, you know, industrial settings, I think really fits with what I enjoy, right? You know, architecture, cars, you know, sort of that vibe. And uh, so I said, okay, we got to go, Karen. And, uh, and I, and my wife and I booked a Booked a couple days up in in NorCal, up above San Francisco. Rented first, we had rented a 987 Cayman, which I thought would be cool to, um, you know, drive as a comparison to my Cayman that was going to be coming a little bit later. But the guy right before I was about to arrive added a car to his fleet, which was a 2008 or set 2007. 997 um, C4S cab in a beautiful color scheme, um, blue on blue. And uh, I don't remember the the name of the blue at this moment, maybe maritime. 
I'm not sure. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. But it, really, a gorgeous looking blue, and I loved the blue full leather interior on it. I I think that combo just brought the 997 uh, really to the modern age. You know, I, I looked at that car and I said, this thing doesn't look old at all. It could be, you know, a new Porsche. Picked it up in uh, San Bruno, right next to San Francisco Airport, and instantly loved the car. It was just so cool to get in and um i have to say my first impressions were that a 997 cab is or or a 911 cab is a more interesting proposition than i gave it credit for you know i sort of discounted the 911 cab a little bit after we had that experience in the 996 out in the north fork just thought it was a little floppy and you know maybe maybe compromised but wow i really fell for it on this trip and this one was well specced with pasm Pasm was incredible over bad San Francisco streets. The C4S motor was really fast, like incredibly so. And and this one had a nice short shift kit that was a lot of fun. So <laughs> we drove that out to Luft and I was feeling really big with my, you know, nice <laughs> 997 and I got to Luft and I wasn't feeling so big anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a few things on that, like to think that uh, this guy, like imagine that you you rent cars on Turo and you just have a fleet of Porsches that that you you lease out to people to rent. Uh, that just seems so wild to think about. And then you you add a 997 cab to your to your fleet of of cars. Um, that just seems wild. You know, even even the opportunity to to rent such a car um, seems. He was incredible. a cool guy. Yeah, he must be. The guy's name is Jason. If you're traveling into San Francisco, I highly recommend renting from him. You'll see his cars up there. Um, and he was a logistics guy, worked for many years in the logistics world out of, out of San Fran and uh, retired from that and opened up this little business. And so he's just a car guy. He likes cars. You know, he he drives personally a 987 Boxster Spider. Mm. Gorgeous. Um, you know, and he puts in all of these. He puts this... Um, CarPlay system. So they all, all of his, his rentals have CarPlay. He says, you know, I don't want people to be worried about where they're going. I want them to just focus on driving and enjoy the car. Like he was really thoughtful and, uh, yeah. and a really nice guy to rent from. So he's got a cool business. And <clears throat> we we got to the Luft um, location. I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it's in, I don't know how to say it appropriately. I would think because I speak Spanish, Vallejo. But I think it's Vallejo, <laughs> and it's called Mare Island. Beautiful, like abandoned uh, sort of military installation, essentially. Is it like a navy yard kind of a thing? Yeah, it's this huge peninsula, and you know, there's like one bridge onto the peninsula, and it's all just old military buildings. A lot of them looking really decrepit. Some things, you know, currently in use. Um, and you got there and in the line, it, it was traffic, like nobody's business getting into this. And unfortunately, it was on a hill uh, to get in. Burning. Oh, God, I had to just, you know, really focus not to not to ruin the clutch on this car. Uh, but, you know, everyone, most people were in the same boat, except the guy in the automatic who was up my ass and obviously <laughs> didn't understand. What an ass. Um, but it was a car show coming in, man. I mean. There's a BMW 2002 by us and this beautiful beige. There's, you know, 
every version of 997, 996s, 993s, 964s, air, you know, old air cools, original cars. It was a car show just on the way in and in the parking lots. This was Saturday or Sunday. So like there were two days of Luft, right? Uh, yeah. Saturday was the like the Luft and the Sunday was the they added water cooled cars to the mix. OK, which was cool. Um, but in the parking lot, I mean, you, you really can't imagine how many good cars there were. There was everything. And you essentially didn't see any uncool car. <laughs> there were very few people arriving to this or event. Saturn ions in the, in the parking lot, or no, I didn't. I didn't happen to see any Saturn ions. I mean, like the least cool car would be like an X3 M40i, like even a tuned up little S. Everything was cool to some level. Hmm. And you know, there were 356 Speedsters there in the parking lot. There's brand new GT3 Tourings with Montana plates, of course. <laughs> My brethren, <laughs> neighbors. Right, my neighbors. <laughs> um, you don't know all of them because you know your states are so large. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, Twenty miles from you. Yeah, could be even more. No, but, but this was this was Luft Nine, right? Is this the ninth running of Luft? I think you're correct. The ninth. Yeah, I've I've talked to some people who've kind of been to them since the beginning, and even they have agreed or, or stated that it's blown up incredibly, and it's gotten to be a little bit too much, which I think is something that you kind of came out of saying or, or feeling. It was a scene. Yeah. I think, it, to be honest, what I loved about it was how it brought all these people out who were passionate and interested. Mm -hmm. But the problem was it felt a little bit like Disneyland because there were, we had mm -hmm. to park like a mile and a half away mm. from the from the entrance. So we're walking, we're exhausted when we get there. And then there's so many cars in Luft. We actually realized we didn't even see all of the cars in Luft. Afterwards, when I saw some photos, we missed a whole section oh, wow. just because it was so big and it was hot and there was so much going on and so many people, you know, you kind of almost could have been a little overwhelmed on one hand. On the other hand, got to give them a lot of credit for putting something like this together, you know? Yeah, it's a big effort. I know like cars are being shipped from all over. I think some were brought over from Japan, even I heard um, for display. Um, so it, it's turned into a, a big deal, you know, a real thing. And I don't think that was their intent with it. Um, but as many things go this, these days, they blow up. It actually felt, Stephen, like a bigger scene than when you and I went to Pebble Beach. Mm. If you could imagine. Yeah, no, Pebble was, I mean, once the public started coming to Pebble, it was, yeah, I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> it was more crowded than that. Wow. Yeah, it, it was a little overwhelming from that perspective. And at least on Pebble, you're on a nice green, you know, you're on the coast, you're on a nice golf course, this and that. This was just like in tarmac, so you got the hot sun baking down on this black asphalt, right? It was hot. It was really hot. Jeez. Yeah. So, but uh, nonetheless, I would definitely go to another one. Okay. It was very cool. I think what the lesson learned for me on all these shows is I'm probably not the kind of person who goes and stays all day. You all know right. what I mean? Some all people right. do that. It's not, not me. I like, I think popping in and staying for a little bit, like what Karen and I did was great. And then we just took the 997 and went up to Napa mm. and had a freaking amazing drive. And, you know, went out for lunch and, and it was great. So 
the fact that they did it in a location like that that gives you the ability to pop in and pop out and do something else, you know, I think makes it worth going as a destination on its own. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And I, I, given the size of it, I think it's probably limiting to where they can put all the next ones because they're, they're going to know they need all that space and, you know, all the people will come. Well, maybe we'll have to go to together to the next lift and uh, and check it out. We could wrangle up Ross as well. Right. Maybe we'll have to drive there in our own cars. Yeah. If it's on the West Coast, that'd be a long drive. I, would, I think I would do that. But, um, okay, good to know. Well, we'll stay tuned. Maybe uh, we'll go to a future one. There was a lot of people I knew at that one, so it was a shame that I couldn't join you. And I think the community aspect is also a big thing of these these meets and um, you know, it's kind of like it's big enough where your own local scene almost shows up there too. So it's nice to have these little microcosms of, of organizations and groups and, and uh, clubs that maybe show up at a, at a bigger event. And I think if I were there, maybe we would have had more things to do with other people, sit down, get lunch together, go for individual drives as, as a smaller group and, and whatnot. I think you're right. I think it would have been very different for us to go as like, you know, just just pure car lovers mm. versus with my wife as well. And for her, she really enjoyed it just because it was beautiful and she enjoyed learning about the history of the cars and the settings were dramatic. I mean, the one thing that I would comment, they had that race car. I, I forget what the model is, um, just an old Le Mans car the really low slung back thing where you sit like leaning back like this mm -hmm. white one inside the building by itself. Just the fact that they did that. And I don't know, it was incredibly dramatic. It reminded me of the, the Domino sugar factory art exhibit in Brooklyn. I don't know if you went to that or saw it. It was really cool before they shut down the Domino sugar factory in Brooklyn. This lady came in and did um, a huge art exhibit. It was sort of a cultural piece talking about like, the people who are actually cultivating the sugar and what their lives are like from the sugar versus the sweetness that everyone's enjoying. But there were these massive sculptures made out of sugar inside of this decrepit factory. And it, this was kind of similar, like, you know, just this amazing overscale backdrop to a, a really singular dramatic piece. And that, that was kind of unique. So they definitely had an artistic eye to this that you probably don't see in most cases that made it feel more like an art exhibition than just a car show. Interesting. Yeah, the juxtaposition was was very startling. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So you went from there directly down to uh, Santa Cruz-ish area where our buddy uh, was getting married. You stopped off back at SFO to change cars. I stayed the weekend in Mill Valley, actually. Mm which was awesome. Uh, and we drove the, the 997 up all the, <coughs> you know, that great road that we've driven in the Miata, mm -hmm. uh, you know, won by Muir Beach and everything. And we had just a phenomenal time with the 997 there. Uh, and then, yeah, stopped in SFO and, uh, and came down, sort of met up with you there, right? That's when you were flying in. Yeah, we were coming in. My brother and I came in around that time um, for the wedding. And we also picked up a car from Via Turo, uh, from SFO, which San Francisco, the airport doesn't allow Turos to to be on site or something. Like if they park 
in the parking garage they can get ticketed or something like that that's what i understand uh I'm, you know you agree right i think yeah that... i've got the same experience everyone wants you to go off off premises to pick up right which is interesting because on the on the app you can still set it as pick up at sfo but it's not actually sfo and that's that's one thing to that i was not quite aware of going into it because when we picked up the viper they had an off-site an official off-site location that we ubered to and i think they reimbursed us for the uber to that location right tourist bruno they had an office in a parking lot i picked up two cars from there also the blue m2 that i rented years ago and that was a that was a pleasant experience it was nice it was a little bit more uh uh concierge you know but uh i I wasn't quite expecting that and i don't know where you picked up your cars from but mine was just on a random street kind of near one of the airport hotels and i had to uber there or i could take a bus to the hotel and then walk to the car but it was just parked on this random side street just sitting there and uh i didn't understand how i got into it uh when i got there and i had to message the guy he told me to take a picture of me with my license in front of the car and then he remote opened the car like magic (laughs) and the keys were inside uh and it was it was I think it was drizzling at the time. It was a lot going on, and I was just like, this seems like the most sketchy thing in the world. I've had these experiences as well there, too. Like, I had to go to that that Aloft Hotel, or I forget what it's called, to pick up the Integra that I rented. Or remember, we did the same thing with the Miata. It was just parked on a side street. We had to take the pictures. And then when we when we got the car, the alarm was going off, and it was like the the, the system didn't work exactly flawlessly. But... I can't fault it in a way because, hey, if that gives you cheaper access to these cars, I think it's it's all right, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so but we rented uh, a BMW Z4. Uh, it was a 35i, I believe it was a 2013, if I remember correctly. It was bright yellow, and the the owner had made some modifications to it. It was lowered on coilovers, had crappy aftermarket wheels and shitty tires um what even tires I, god i don't remember but not I a feel like tires were called lexanis uh, they might have been or, yeah. yeah um and even things like the lights and interior electronic stuff um which i didn't know whether it was stock bmw or not but it, it made me frustrated with the car and I wasn't a big BMW guy going into the car, but uh, but uh, yeah, the car turned out to be decent. So yeah, we drove it down from SFO down to Santa Cruz, and we had a nice ride down uh, Highway Nine, I think it was, or Route Nine, I guess technically it's not really Highway a highway. Nine. Yeah. Um, which, if anyone's ever going south of San Francisco. I highly recommend. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous road. Uh, very curvy, redwood trees. Um, I think just quintessential California, Northern California. Steven sent me that way on my way out, and it was so cool. And it was just, the, it was another scene. At the top of Highway 9, there's a little pull off, and everyone from the whole Bay Area is coming there with their cars. You know, we, we saw the funny thing was we both ran into this just 
Tokyo <laughs> Drift looking dude, you know, with this amazingly modded RX-8. And it was almost out of the movies, the level of, of scene that existed there. So quintessentially California, as you said. Yeah. And I remember telling you and Ross about my journey uh, on Highway 9. It was raining when we were doing it, which added to the dramatic effect of the road. It was very cloudy, rainy. So I, I couldn't enjoy any scenery because I couldn't really see much. But we were new to the car. It, it's sporty, so it, it wanted to move. But we were new to it. We didn't trust it. And I didn't trust the tires for sure as well. But you get some people who know this road like the back of your hand, back of their hand. And I was joking that there was a, I think it was a Honda Odyssey or something that we had trouble keeping up with on this. And it was like Takumi, like delivering uh, tofu over the, <laughs> over the hill, you know? I was really glad to hear Steven say that because I was having some similar trouble on the California roads, keeping up with very regular cars whilst I was in the Porsche. And I said, fuck, am I just such a bad driver or what's going on here? And so him telling me that he was having trouble keeping up with the locals too made me feel a little better. They're just a different breed out there. You know, realistically, the our exposure to good roads like that mm. is really limited. So sure, if we focus and we really like learn a road and drive it well, we're good drivers and we could do it. But these people that drive the roads every day, it's just normal for them, you know? Right, and it's intimidating to us having it be non not familiar and the 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 risk there because a lot of these areas they don't have guardrails and you, you there's a there's a ledge there's a there's a cliff there the only thing that's there to stop you are some redwood trees that you can run into so the 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 repercussions are huge very steep yes so especially in rented cars i know they say Hired cars are, are the fastest cars in the world, but not always the case. I totally don't feel that way, especially not with these Turo cars. Maybe when you go and you rent like a and little that. hatchback in Europe and you beat the shit out of it in the Alps, that's another story. But <laughs> these cars, somehow you feel like they're somebody's and you don't want to destroy them. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. But you stayed in the Porsche family on our way to Santa Cruz, you got a, a base Porsche Macan. I did. I got in in D bag blue, just like my Jeep. <laughs> and uh, it even has D bag the uh, the Porsche color than your your Gladiator. They're almost the exact same color, Stephen. And I would say on a base Macan, that's a pretty bold color. Like, you know, to choose this is me in my base Macan. At the end of the day, I actually really liked it. But if I'm if I'm honest, it still yeah, has a similar well, stigma to my Jeep. Yeah, maybe it would be uh, better on a, a Macan GTS or something. Right. Uh, but actually, it gave a lot of character and made the Macan fun. It was a 2018 Macan. Picked it up from this guy's house. He has this incredibly long driveway <laughs> right near SFO. And so he has like nine cars stacked up in his driveway, <laughs> like a, a Panamera, a 991 cab, a Miata RF, this Macan, he's, he's got his fleet. And I said, can you fit all of the cars in the driver? He goes, no, I have like 12. So I just hope that they're not all in at the same time. <laughs> he was also a really nice guy. And uh, Macan was a 2018, only 20,000 miles on it. And I have to tell you, I got into it and I was instantly impressed with the quality. Yeah, this, just was your, this was your first time driving a Macan, right? I test drove one before, 
uh, and I didn't like it at all. But mm. I, it was loaded up with five people, and I, they're they're kind of small. Mm. I don't think they're comfortable with five people, so I maybe it gave me a bad impression of it. But yeah, I got in and just I, I couldn't believe that it was a 2018. It was the agate gray, or is is that the right color for the interior? The gray that they use. I don't recall the name that they use for the gray interior, but it's it. I looked at it on the Porsche configurator. Never liked that gray. Usually don't like gray interiors, but it's kind of got a brown hue to it, mm. and it aged really nicely. Like as the leather wore in a little bit, it looked very luxurious, and you know the car still had a great smell. Had those wonderful Porsche all-weather mats, which I liked, and I rented it because it had a hitch. So I stopped down at REI on my way into Santa Cruz and picked up a rack for rent for. 45 bucks. REI is great for that. And uh, so I could go mountain biking during the week. Yeah, we did some mountain biking together, although no hitch on the, the Z4 for, for mountain bikes. Um, but yeah, we had a fun time down there and a fun time comparing the cars. I think uh, I didn't drive the Macan. Apparently my brother did, and I don't recall when this happened, but I've driven Everyone on the whole trip drove it except Steven. <laughs> 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 now, the Macan is a very solid car, and, and uh, I think it's great, and uh, it's a good choice for anybody who needs a, a small but practical car, and they don't want to compromise on kind of the driving pleasure. If you're a car enthusiast and you can only have one car, I'm not sure that there's anything that I would recommend more highly than a base Macan at this moment. It was so competent all around, blew me away. People talk about the four-cylinder being not enough. I, I found that ridiculous. This thing was plenty fast, and even the engine had a lot of character, I thought, considering, you know, with that wonderful PDK. I mean, certainly you miss it. You miss having a stick, but I don't know, man. That's a that's a hell of a car for the money, especially like the 2018s now are going in like the low 40s. That's a lot of car for 40 grand, especially when you consider that a new Integra Type S with about the same power is 52,000. Mm. You know, and I, I really like the Integra, but I can assure you that the interior does not feel like that Macan. Yeah, now you're paying for kind of different things, but uh, yeah, they're good cars, even secondhand to to consider. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, we went for a great drive. Uh, two great good. drives. Yeah. We followed Ross, who actually was fast for the first time ever. Yeah, and his uh, NB Miata. I couldn't believe how quickly he was whipping around in that thing. It actually shocked the hell out of me. I don't know if you felt the same way. I mean, uh, by seeing the effects of the other uh, locals driving on these roads, I, I could only hope and assume that Ross uh, knows the roads well enough to to, to take them at speeds. We had a whole crew going down Bonnie Dune, and uh, I, this is what made me really fall for the Macan. I was just driving so effortlessly, keeping up with everyone in sports cars in my SUV. And it was it was such a smooth, you know, such a Porsche experience, I would say. You know, smooth, effortless performance. Right. Not a lot of drama. Uh, yeah, and they keep the, the, the experience very close and very similar between all their cars. You never feel too foreign getting into any other Porsche. This is definitely, I would say, five steps softer than any of their sports cars. 
course. So yeah. it's very different from that perspective, but the seamlessness of the performance is really similar. Yeah. It's uh, no, it's incredible. And I, I will say uh, I enjoyed my ride in the Z4. Uh, I actually came around to the car quite a bit. At first, I was not loving it. Um, I thought the brakes were a bit sensitive. Uh, the acceleration was smooth, very linear, as most um, BMWs are. Steering had good weight and, and you know, heavy but direct. Um, the hood not is Not a lot of steering feel. No, not a lot of steering feel, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was decent. It was, it's a very niche car. Like, it has a very specific purpose and fits in a very specific scenario. And outside of that, it's just okay. Um, it's not a good all-around car. It's, it's good kind of bomb-around-town cruiser. You want to be in a convertible. It's a great California car if you're just cruising up uh, Highway 1 um, or you're, you're going through Santa Cruz. You're in style. You're in bright yellow, so it's a very quintessential summer kind of car. Um, and this was a nice spec, had nice yellow interior too. It was, it was pretty well, met, you know, put together. Um, and so overall, I did come to enjoy the car, but it was an automatic. Uh, you can get those in manual, so it would be interesting to try those with a stick. Uh, I do think it would be a lot better with the manual. Um, but overall, I think our conclusion was, if you had the option, why wouldn't you get a Boxster? of that same era like it's a boxer would is better all around <laughs> i've been thinking about this a little more since i've uh, since i got uh, since i bought a porsche and i think that the real question is if you're more of a gt person or if you like precision bmw's just even if the like the, the interesting thing is porsches often actually have better ride quality than bmw's but even though they have better ride quality, they're still a little stiffer and more serious in a way. And so the BMW is a bit more um, easygoing. You just get into it. It's a little easier to deal with. It's it's not as it's not taking itself quite as seriously. So if you if you are kind of it, it depends on how you are as a driver. I can see why people would like any pretty much any BMW, whether it's an M3, an M2, and you know, any of these things, Z4 even just because they're more on that side of just, okay, have a little fun. It sounds awesome. I love the Turbo 6 motor in that car. It really makes lots of cool noises. To me, it was the highlight of the vehicle, you know, and Sounds great. but it's it's still not too serious. So I, I, I give BMW credit on that side. I just think that you and I are probably more interested in the precision of, of mm -hmm. what Porsche offers. Yeah. And, you know, me not being a BMW guy, I found that it took a little while to get comfortable and accustomed to the car. It wasn't something I feel like you just get in and drive and you're comfortable driving it. Um, and maybe that's, you know, again, just because I'm not a BMW guy, I feel like BMW also curates an experience similar to, to Porsche's where if you get in another BMW, you feel a little bit more at home. Um, so having less experience with other modern-ish BMWs, it, it felt very foreign to me and it took a while to adjust. Yeah, I, I totally feel that way about BMWs in general, though. They they don't have the, they're just a little looser. Like everything's everything's not. You get in the Porsche and everything is exactly as you would want it to be. 
Yeah. And it's not yeah. necessarily that way in the BMW. They make compromises to make it more, you know, relaxed. Yes. No. But we had a we had a great experience out in California with our cars. We got to drive the cars a little bit more than we wanted to because you had uh, an issue with your car. Um, <laughs> um, we the wedding was. Uh, kind of 40 minutes north of Santa Cruz on a, on a gorgeous farm, Pie Ranch. And Epic the was, yeah, the, the wedding was fantastic. It was beautiful. Um, we had a great evening. We <laughs> drove up there together in the Macan, carpooled. A wonderful the, drive up. Nice drive up Highway 1. Uh, there was a school bus that took us back into Santa Cruz. We left the Macan up there with the plan that Ryan and I would get up early the next day, drive up to pick it up in the Z4. Um, and what happened, Ryan? Well, I got a little drunk and I lost the keys. (laughs) (laughs) You wake up in the morning and, uh, hung over and, uh, we, we stayed up almost all night. Steven brought me in the middle of the night to the grocery store to buy frozen pizza. (laughs) I had two frozen pizzas (laughs) in the middle of the night. No food available in Santa Cruz at like two or three in the morning. No, no, but a 24-7 grocery store that's about 15, 20 minutes away. (laughs) Scotts Valley, I believe. Yeah. Um, But in the morning, in our drunken dismay or hungover dismay, Ryan stumbles out and he's like, I can't find the keys. (laughs) So we searched the house that we rented. We searched my car. We searched every car. We went back to the bar we were at the night before that we had shut down. The owners had left and left (laughs) us outside with a bottle of wine (laughs) to just leave it there when we were were done. Um, Keys weren't there. So he said, oh, well, like, maybe they're still, they're in the car. Maybe they're with the Porsche. You had gone back to the car to put something in there before we left. Um, Maybe you dropped them around the car. So we drove the 40 minutes up to the car, praying that the the keys were there and no keys. No keys. So I let Brian drive the Z4 back to Santa Cruz as a consolation Surprised. He saw that I was suffering a little bit, <laughs> and I was yeah. suffering from being hung over and, and driving all this way to no success. So it uh, wasn't entirely selfless. No. <laughs> um, but uh, so what was what happened? What how'd you resolve this? How'd you end up getting the car? Like how'd you? Well, as it turns out, everything is uh, you can resolve everything with money, and so seven hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> later, and a new key for the for the Macan and I was good to go. And I was very lucky. Kelly's dad happened to be in San Francisco dropping off her brother and stopped and picked up the, uh, picked up the extra key from the guy's house <coughs> on his way back. So fortunately and, uh, we had some, some people in the area to go get that spare key from the owner. Yeah. Saved me a, a, a day of misery. And so it wasn't too bad, you know, from in, in the big scheme of things of, you know, logistically, it could have been a lot worse, but definitely was a uh, really stung to pay $700 for the key for that Porsche. So the lesson there is do not lose your Porsche key because I can't believe that little plastic piece of shit is worth $700. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. The thing uh, I guess to do is, you know, put an air tag or some sort of tracker 
on it, especially I would say as a rental car, I think that's a good practice for most Turo drivers. I will say that uh, after the wedding, I, I stayed in California for some business and I even went down to LA and I rented a Mercedes GLB around LA and I had discovered that they had an air tag on their uh, on their keys, which I actually thought was a little creepy because my phone gave me a notification when I had left um, saying that the air tag was not found anymore. And I could see it showed me a map of everywhere I was. So the owner could see everywhere I was going, which I thought was a little creepy, but um, at least I knew if I lost the keys, I could find them. The guy with the 997 had that as well. And I had the same reaction at first, but really like they don't care where you are. They're not watching you. They're just doing it so they don't have bullshit when you lose their keys. So I can't really blame them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty penny for the, the end of the trip. It was. The lesson. <laughs> um, what else happened? Let's. Uh, a lot has happened since then. That was what, like early? That was late May, early May. Early, uh, yeah, early May. Yeah. I left from there, flew to Houston, got into Houston, and they and Karen and I were going for a doctor or annual doctor's visits, and I got a Genesis G80, hmm. uh, electrified as my as my car there and what an utter pile of junk i cannot <laughs> believe they are selling this car for eighty thousand dollars i'm not even going to mince my words about it it was horrendous i honestly from a value perspective maybe one of the worst cars i've ever driven wow that's uh yeah you're not mincing your words there no it was it, it i was angry about how bad it was it, <laughs> They, you know, they just took a, a gas car and really just did nothing special to it, but add batteries and electric motors. And so, it, you know, the interior has no room because it's all filled up with the batteries under the seats. So your head's like crammed in the in the ceiling of this $80,000 car. The windows feel tiny because you're so raised up. It has like no range, you know, like 200 miles of range. The trunk is tiny because there's a battery there. It, you know, makes terrible sounds. The the self-driving was horrible. Mm. Uh, you know, no no stability, comfort, or flow of the car whatsoever. It just had really poor driving dynamics as a whole. I know people are going, you know, very interested in Genesis. And, you know, there were nice, very nice materials on the inside. And the outside looked great. It was a really nice-looking car. It's probably about seven series size or a touch smaller, um, but didn't feel that way on the inside. So, yeah, that was a, it was the worst electric car that I've driven so far. Wow. That's uh, that's some consumer advice there. Yeah, de definitely do not buy the Genesis G80 electrified. That's a compromised joke of a car. And so from there, you went to uh, London and you drove a Peugeot. I did. I I, flew, I had some I had some meetings in England. I actually flew into Manchester, which was uh, it was neat, uh, you know, to just fly into England and had a beautiful view coming over the <clears throat> the tip of the island and uh, got to Manchester. Uh, it was really slow to get my rental car there. I had to wait for a bus. There were like five million people on the bus, but I somehow strategically placed myself on the front of the bus. So. When I got off, I sprinted to the rental car station and I was the first one. Smart. Yeah. And they had two cars for rent. They had a Kia 
with manuals. I insisted on a manual. Some Kia, I don't even recall the model. It was a Kia station wagon, which they were pushing on me, and I didn't want anything to do with that after the bad Genesis experience. And then uh, they had a Peugeot, and I said, taking that. (laughs) You know, I definitely want a Peugeot. I tend to love French cars. And so it was a 3008, which is like a... I don't know, maybe uh, a little smaller than a Tiguan size. Um, but it looked really cool. So French, just great looks on the outside. And the interior was awesome. It had this like sort of technical, interesting cloth and, you know, a sporty looking dashboard. Really nice feeling shift knob and shift action. Um, but as soon as I got in, I was all mixed up, you know, getting in on the other side, it's you're like, I can't believe they're just going to let me loose with this thing. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, you need to relearn how to drive. You feel exactly like that. You feel like such an amateur. And I'm sure that people who do it more often perhaps are a bit used to it. But I was so bad at, in the beginning that I actually had to look in my mirrors to see if I was keeping the car centered in the lane. Mm. Because your your depth perception is all off because you, you have a frame of reference looking at everything from the left. And it's curious how difficult it is for your body and your mind to calibrate to being on the other side. So I was, it was an overnight flight and I had to get in this car and drive an hour and a half to a meeting. And I have to tell you, that was a tough hour and a half drive. I, I, I was humbled a little bit about my driving skills. Uh, the interesting thing though, was the stick shift, zero problems. That, that you instantly um, acclimate to that which I kind of didn't expect, you know, shifting with the left hand, I figured it would be a little off, but not at all. And the Peugeot was fantastic. Love a good French soft car, Hmm. you know, floaty suspension, uh, a a really quiet but torquey motor was a three-cylinder gasser, actually, 1.2, plenty of power. Um, And, uh, oh, and English roads are really small. Oh, yeah, they're, they're narrow. But not even just the side roads, like the highways are not, they're not big like U.S. roads. And I I thought to myself, the folks who drive big, powerful sports cars here, I don't know, like, I wonder how they really stretch the legs of those cars. It's, it it made me realize how huge and open our roads are, especially here in the Northeast where I live. I have pretty much, you know, straight autobahns everywhere. Hmm. No, it's a different uh, a different culture, and you know, I think I get all the references in Top Gear and, and things to how they really say that big sports cars or big SUVs and stuff really don't fit in there. You know, they don't make sense. They don't. You, you know, they always talk about B-road cars, and you can see how a hot hatch is probably one of the most effective cars to bomb down a British road. Yeah. You know, you get why they're a, they're a country of loving those because it just makes a lot of sense there. You don't need anything I, more. Really. You don't. Um, I did uh, stop at Bentley in Crewe, their their headquarters and factory on my way down. It happened to be where I was passing through. And uh, they have this beautiful reception area filled with these gorgeous Bentleys. All in the reception area were left-hand drive, interestingly enough, though. Hmm. I was wondering what that was about. So we got in, walked around, and I, I rolled up. I said, hey, 
wondering if uh, you know we could we could have a factory tour. And the, oh no, sir, that won't be possible. They they essentially told me to fuck off in the nicest English way possible. <laughs> but uh, they were kind enough to recommend me to a uh, a local pub for a nice gluten free fish and chips. And so we we left the Bentley facility, which their factory is massive. I didn't mm. realize. I, I don't know how many cars Bentley produces a year, but I think you would be shocked at how massive their installation is out in the middle of like a cornfield. <clears throat> I mean, uh, it's their it's their headquarters, right? It is. Got to be big. I guess you know. I was thinking Bentley builds like a couple thousand cars a year, but maybe they do a lot more than that. They're not still building them in sheds anymore. No, but I I imagined that for some reason. It's nice to think that way. It is. Um, okay, so I mean, you were nonstop all the time, from right from California to Texas to London, driving all these cars. Meanwhile, your cars are just sitting at home gathering dust. Gathering dust. By the oh, way, Bentley produced in 2022 15,174 cars. That's a lot of vehicles. I kind of was not expecting that number. Hmm. I mean, they definitely have grown. Um, and uh, I can't say I see too many of them, at least on American roads. But uh, I wonder where they're all going to, all these cars. Probably uh, all in the Middle East. All what? <laughs> all in the Middle East. Oh, God. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. Buys full of them. So from there... I, I had some downtime to rest up, and I was eager to uh, get back to my cars. Um, and you had still been storing my 300D uh, from the winter, and, and here it's like end of May at this point, and it's, spring has been around for some time. Um, so I was itching to find an opportunity to go up to get my car, and, and finally did find an opportunity to head up to Rhode Island uh, slash Massachusetts to get my car and actually made it a little bit of a family event. Um, went up with my parents uh, and with my dad in his E63 AMG and took one E-Class to go get the other E-Class, <laughs> um, which was a nice little ride. They had never been up to kind of Ryan's area. They've never seen the garage that we've spent, you know, we spent some good amount of time there at some point. Autoholic HQ. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um all it does now is store a few of your cars right yeah it's it's uh it's it's wasted space but when we use it i love it yes it does come in handy for sure um but yeah it was a nice ride up and uh you had already uh started my car and, and moved it out and i think you said it had some trouble starting but uh it was outside running uh when i had gotten there it was weird i turned the key and everything just went boom turned off it was like turning the key on was was almost like turning it off had like an electrical disconnect or something and then all of a sudden boom it all came to life interesting but no faults uh for it uh from there on out um i actually we left the e63 at the garage and i put my parents in my car and ryan gave us some recommendations for places to go for lunch and and to drive and he actually led us down some some roads that I'm familiar with because uh, we've we've gone down them a few times on our drives there. Um, 
down to what is it like Horseneck Beach? What is that? Is that what it is? That's not Horseneck Beach. There, Horseneck is like the the just the part over from that. I don't know what you call that. Maybe that's um, Westport Town Beach. Okay. Uh, it's an interesting yeah. rocky beach where they sell like these lots right on the beachfront. They're like two hundred thousand dollars. You can't build on them, so people just go in the summers and place like interesting mobile homes. Yeah, Some so- of them are rather elaborate. They are, yeah. It is a startling sight and uh, not entirely pleasant, but uh, yeah. yeah. But given that everything around there is absolutely stunning, I can forgive the. I can forgive that. Absolutely. But we had a nice drive. Uh, the Mercedes felt good. The brake pedal was a little spongy. I think uh, maybe there's some air in the brake lines or so. <coughs> while it while it sat um but otherwise the car went good i have to tell you watching steven drive this 300d with his family in it it was such a charming look you know this old car that typically you could figure you know your parents aren't going to really want to get in this old car with you or enjoy that experience but the 123 is just a, it's a charmer you know it'll turn anyone and and uh so I, I thought it was really cool that they just made a day out of this experience of going out in the one, two, three. And very, very much a throwback. So it's yeah. cool that that car can bring you back in that way. Yeah, I think they do get in the car somewhat begrudgingly because they're so accustomed to the the luxuries of, of their modern cars and whatnot. Um, especially my mom. But, you know, she sat in the back and the back's very comfortable. Um, she always complains maybe about the smell, the diesel and, and things like that. And, you know, my dad never you know, gets excited about going in the car, even though he used to own one. Um, but it seems like I guess you had a conversation with him at some point and I was not around about how impressed he was with the car. I didn't know that you weren't present for that conversation. He waxed poetically about your car. He said, you know, it's this old thing, old piece of shit, essentially, is what he said without saying that, but kind of like that he isn't expecting anything. And he gets in it and he said, it's just such a solid car. It was so impressive, just rolls down the road so nicely. And he seemed to have a great time in it. I figured you let him drive, but I guess not. No, and I don't think he really would have. I could have offered, but... uh... I don't know if he would have taken it. Unfamiliar roads and I don't know. But uh, it didn't cross my mind. I was just too eager to be behind the wheel myself. I was being selfish. <laughs> I let my d- drive my W123 and it was a little much for him. <laughs> he was going 50 miles an hour down the highway. I was like, Dad, you could go a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a lot in those cars. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Me- meanwhile, while we were driving back to Connecticut later that day, you know, I was falling behind my dad, or at times he was actually falling behind me. And I drive my car a little fast, so I was doing about 75 or so. At times, maybe 80, 85. Uh, and we had stopped off, you know, at a rest stop, and my dad was like, "Take it down, like 75 is a good, good pace. I don't want you to push it in that car." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just too about pushing it too hard right away. Yeah, no, of course, of course. But the car moves. worry about you in the old car, things <laughs> falling apart, etc. Yeah, we want to make it home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if oh. only, if only they knew. You know, we've gone, we've maxed that thing out. Four people up. 
few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll never forget that on the way down to um, what's the name of that bar in in uh, in Narragansett Ocean Spray I think or Ocean Mist mm-hmm. right on the on the water there and we, we, it was you Ross Aaron Harry and I. It could only have been you Harry Aaron and I right? No, we had five people in it. Okay, yeah, we did have five people. Yeah, yeah, and and we went over 100 miles an hour down and it was rock solid yeah no, it was good. probably the end of your diff <laughs> i think that was the end yeah that was towards the end of that diff for sure <laughs> it was crying in pain that diff oh gosh um so that was good now i have my diesel here with me and uh in brooklyn and i've been street parking it and it's been great to have it around actually um and from there we went to Mexico for your wedding. Yeah, it was what a month, right? May, we had Ross's wedding at the beginning, my 30th birthday. How could I forget when Ross's wedding was, by the way? It was on May 6th, the day before my birthday. Um, and then at the end of the month, we had my wedding. And uh, yeah, it was awesome to have you guys down in Mexico. I think we had a great party. It was. It was a blast. And uh, Ryan gave me some tips on a car to rent for the for the journey. Uh, he told me National was the only rental agency to rent from there in Monterey. And uh, I got a uh, Nissan, uh, it was a Nissan, what, Sentra? Or no, no, it was bigger. No, that's the category you rented, right. yeah. Yeah, uh, or equivalent um, for us, for me to share with Ross and Kelly. Um, and your cousin, Andrew, actually ended up joining us on it. But it was a nice big sedan, and you said, well, if you have the option, go for the MG GT. Um, and so we landed at like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, Kelly spoke, you know, pretty fluent Spanish. And we're talking to the guys at the counter. And um, they're pretty funny and they're, they're good folk. And it's uh, pretty nice, actually, in there at the national guys. Some of the others are more aggressive, but those guys are pretty friendly. Yeah, they're, they're very we're friendly. What? Did you deal with Jose Maria? I think I did. Yeah, he's the man. Jose Maria is a good guy. He always takes good care of me. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, I asked about, They Kelly told them that I was a big car guy. Um, and I asked about the MGGT or the other options. And uh, he joked. And actually, they had them parked back to back right, right there. So they kind of had the options there waiting for me. So I asked if I could go out and check them out, and they said, yeah, by all means. Um, So Ross and I went out, took a glance over them, noticed the difference between the two of them, which I will say, I think there's not a lot of difference between them. I think they look fairly similar. They're both white, which every rental car, almost every car there in Mexico was like white. Um, But ultimately, we went with the MGGT, which was a little extra money per day because it had a sunroof. And uh, it just seemed uh, maybe a little bit more interesting. Um, and when do you have an opportunity to drive a Chinese car? Well, now every time you go to Mexico, it's pretty much all they have, Chinese cars and Nissans. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is interesting to think about there and, uh, and you know, that being the option. Is there, what other brands are down there or is it all just MGPs? No, so, um... Really, I've I've had three different 
types of Chinese cars down there. I've had the MGs, I've had the Chevys that are made in China and the Dodge Journeys that are made in China. So Dodge Journey, Chevy Captiva is an SUV made in China. Chevy Onyx is a sedan made in China. And then the MGs, they have like the MG5 or the GT. There's also a ZS, a little SUV. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had essentially all of them at this point. This time I rented the Journey again. And uh, I got to tell you, the Journey is the, is the pick out of all of those. I found out an interesting tidbit since we've been back, by the way. JP Rota from college, I was, he sent me a nice note about the wedding. And I was asking him how things are going in Bolivia. And he's importing the, this car to Bolivia and selling it. I believe the company who makes them is actually called GAC. Mm. Uh, and it's called the GS5. And so he has one. That's his car. But ah. it's just not labeled Dodge Journey. Right, and right. so we badge it for Dodge. And so he's he's doing this whole thing, importing those GACs to Bolivia and selling them. So we were having a long talk about it. And he says they are on the higher quality end of the Chinese cars. You said some of the other brands, not as much, which you may have a thing or two to say about after your experience in the MG. Yeah, no, I could definitely speak upon a little bit of that. It felt like visually it looked like it was a little bit more comprehensive, a little bit more sophisticated than it actually was. Um, you know, we drove into Monterey at night there and it was nice. You could just plug in your phone, you have Apple CarPlay, whatever. Um, but the screen started glitching. Uh, you couldn't really like read the what it was saying. Um, and we're like, oh, of course, Chinese made you know uh, screens or whatever. Um, the transmission was horrendous. I thought it was a CVT the whole time because it was just so delayed. It was like nothing, nothing. All of a sudden, downshifting two gears and, and revving like crazy. Um, it just was not smooth. I thought the steering was decent um and it was fairly comfortable on on the road but yeah i could not get past the transmission it was funny i had no problems with the transmission when i rented the mbgt because i had the one trim level up that came with the paddle shifters we had yeah, to look this up afterwards because yeah, Stephen we, didn't see that it was a dual clutch yeah i was i was i adamant that it was a cvt um, and didn't know that there was a more premium level that actually came with flappy paddles. And that's what you needed. You needed to select your own gears. You did. I was using it all the time. Yeah, I, I would have used it all the time, too, if I had the option. So uh, if you do go down to Mexico and you rent an MGGT, look for the flappy paddles. In general, though, what do you think of the cars coming out of China? Did you go for a ride in the journey while we were there? Or actually, you weren't in the car at all? Never in the journey. Oh, that's too bad. I would have, we should have done that, but we were busy and hung over much of the time. So we didn't think about doing the comparison, but what, what would you say overall? I mean, on just, this is your first experience with a Chinese car, right? Yes. No, it is. Honestly, uh, you know, it's kind of impressive. I would say for the most part for not having, uh, you know, a large popular long history of making commercial cars for the rest of the world. You know, it's pretty on par, pretty near close to what a lot of the other large manufacturers are making in terms of a, a cheap, economical kind of car. Um, I, they probably stole a lot of design and, and ideas and everything from, from everyone else, and that's what they're great at. Um, so they continue to do a good job doing that. 
that's my takeaway as well. I, I think they're coming up with products that are pretty damn close to mm -hmm. the rest of the world now, close enough that it's surprising how right. good they are. Like right. you say, I, thought, I was thinking the exact same thing, no history. And typically, you know, I, I spent a little time looking at this after a trip to Mexico, about 15, 20% less price mm. than most of the competition, whether from, you know, Asia or you know, the Japanese or, or from Europe or from the U.S. So there's a lot of value there for people. And, and typically, even though they're the lower price point, they have all the features that people like. So although a Jetta might be a better driving car by a lot, it has no features in comparison to this MGGT. And I bet a lot of people are going to go for the features, even if that doesn't really matter. But, you know, they have different, they, they make their decisions differently than we might. People like their bells and whistles. They do. They do. Yeah. And that's what's important to some people. So I think for, <laughs> for an average person, you know, on a realistic budget down there, I, I think it's a solid car. I think it's a it's a decent option. Just get the one with the flappy paddles. Right. <laughs> the thing I wonder about them is how they'll hold up. But, yes. you know, what can I really say about that when my American-made Jeep is sending me a, a recall notice that my car is going to catch on fire if I overheat the clutch, but they don't have a new clutch available yet. They're still working on it. Oh, it's not available. No, no. So the recall's out, but can't do anything for you. So just be careful. No, no diamond starts for you. No diamond starts in the Jeep. <laughs> Not that you're driving the Jeep so much these days, because you did finally pick up your 718 Cayman GTS 4.0. I but did. I think we'll have to talk about that another time. We'll we'll leave it here and uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure I could wax poetically about the Cayman for hours. So. I think we should save that for the next talk. Yeah, I think our next conversation will be all Porsche. Um, we'll talk about the 75th anniversary of, of Porsche, because um, I did go and join in some of the celebrations of that in my 996, which I tried to coerce you to come and, and pick up your car sooner to join, but uh, could not happen. But you'll catch 76 years, I don't know. Yes, that's right. <laughs> But uh, it was good catching up. Definitely a lot of fun adventures that we've had in the last two months. And uh, hopefully we'll be back uh, more regularly and keep you guys posted. Yeah, let's, let's do it soon. We'll have to get to well, – the next podcast, we'll try to do it from inside one of our Porsches. <laughs> That's right. We'll be, uh, you'll be hearing some uh, acceleration pulls and whatnot. <laughs> Not above four grand yet. Uh, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> You're working towards it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Stephen. This was great. Thanks, everyone.